I'm not sure if you were here last week. I know, uh, I know a fair number of you were here last week. Uh, last week was, in my opinion, just really awesome. And what I mean by really awesome was just kind of seeing what happened with the children and the Harvest Festival. Uh, I got to tell you, I was in the activity hall after the service chatting with somebody and, and kind of had this thought in my mind while I was kind of having this conversation over a cup of coffee. Uh, because while I was having this conversation, I noticed the devil run past and, and the devil was being chased by someone. And I was like, yeah, you go devil. You, you got no business here. You know how the story ends. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's somebody's child uh, dressed up. And so I was like, okay, Lord, just bless that devil. Bless that child. Bless their family. Uh, and, you know, and if that was your kid, hey, you know, I, my, my distorted sense of humor enjoys the irony of it all. Uh, but how awesome to see kids coming in and bringing friends and families coming in uh, and just receiving and, and being a part of the activity and part of the life. And, and that just fires me up when I see people saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter what you wear, uh, come along. Now, I, I wish I could have overheard the conversation between those parents and those kids. You know, I don't know what happened there, but I'm like, you know, it really doesn't matter. Come and hear and receive the gospel. Come and hear of the good news, the love that Jesus has. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to see more of. I long to see a children's ministry environment just overflowing. I think it's awesome that we're running out of parking spaces. I can't wait for the day when Lisa comes to us and, and to the board and goes, well, I've run out of Sunday school space. So maybe if you guys can meet in the activity hall and we'll do Sunday school in, in the auditorium, uh, you know, we don't mind. But we need more space. And that, that's what I, I long to see. That's what I dream about. That's what I pray about. Because I know that as we impact those children's lives, we don't only impact them. We impact their families through them. You know, we, we impact their communities. We impact the world around us as we change the heart of a child. And so when I think about not only children's ministry, but White Rock Baptist Church, I'm reminded that is the mission of our church. The mission of this church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's to make men and women, young and old, who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and who go out and tell others that Jesus is Lord. And who go out in service to their community. And so the mission is to grow by witnessing to the love of Christ, to the grace of God. The witness of this church and the mission of this church is always to go out. Even with our, our purpose statement and our vision statement that we have, and you know it so well, that White Rock Baptist Church seeks to be a loving community of hope in Jesus Christ. But that's not it. It's not full stop. We don't just want to be this holy huddle, the spiritual ghetto. We seek to be a loving community of hope in Jesus Christ, worshiping God and growing in faith to impact the world. This is our mission, to change our community. So I want to begin by asking a question, but actually, I'm going to turn the question around and have you ask each other, because this way I can go get my water bottle that I left down there and nobody bring it to me. This, this kind of works for me. I want you to turn to the person next to you. And ask them, are you a consumer or are you a contributor? 
Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Go ahead, ask. And if there's nobody next to you, there's somebody in front or behind. You know, when, when you ask a question like that, I, I, I hope it does kind of elicit a little sense of like, okay, that's entertaining, but, but kind of that's also mildly offensive. You know, are, are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Are you here for what you can get out of it? Are you here as a consumer consuming services consuming the word of God and maybe growing fat on it, not applying it to life? Are you consuming programs and the programming that happens? Maybe you're even consuming the relational benefit of being with brothers and sisters in Christ and and within a community. Or are you contributing? Now, I don't just mean financially. This isn't about your money. It's far more than that. Are you contributing to the mission and the ministry of this church so that the gospel of Jesus Christ might be proclaimed so that the kingdom of God would be made known here in White Rock and South Surrey? Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Why do I ask this question? For the same reason that I pointed out two weeks ago. There is too much at stake in the world around us. With churches closing their doors, with churches selling their buildings, with churches literally dying in our world around us, there is too much at stake for us to be a community of consumers who simply consume a service. And when what we're trying to consume runs out, we go, oh, well, I'll go and consume elsewhere. No, there is no space. There is no room in the body of Christ. Contributors are those who contribute to the mission. So that it continues. Over the last couple of weeks, we kind of took a detour out of our regular series and looked at stewardship and giving and generosity. But today we're diving back into the book of Luke. We've been doing a a series over a number of months as we've journeyed through the book of Luke. Today we pick up where we left off and we pick up in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. It'll be on the screen in a moment. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 9 if you've got a paper Bible or on your phone or some sort of device. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 9. Just to give it a a little bit of context, just to help kind of understand what we're looking at and why we're looking at it there. Uh, The context is Jesus sending out the twelve. If you have uh, one of those NIV Bibles that has each of the little portions with little subject above it, it should read Jesus sending out the 12 or something to that line. It's interesting, this context of Jesus sending out the 12 is echoed in all four Gospels. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 9, which we're going to read now. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, all the way through to chapter 10, verse 16, which is the largest portion of Jesus sending out the 12. And I'm going to look at one or two verses from there in a moment. But it's even echoed in the book of John. 
John chapter 4, verse 34, and, and, and I love the John chapter 4 one. John chapter 4 is kind of this personal, intimate account. It's the woman at the well. And if you remember that story of Jesus interacting with this woman at the well and, and just kind of reaches out to her with grace and, and blows her mind, and as she runs off to go and tell the town and the village, and she brings people back to hear about Jesus, and Jesus' disciples come to him, and they know he hasn't eaten and they want to give him some food. And, and he pretty much tells them, no, I've already eaten, I'm done. And, and they're like thinking literal food going, well, did somebody feed him? And he sort of says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And I'm fired up by fulfilling what God has sent me to do. And they engage. And, and Jesus in that point kind of says, look up, look around. The fields are white to harvest. The fields are ready for harvest. People are longing. People are craving for truth, for the gospel. And just open your eyes. And I don't know about you, but when there's a story or an account echoed through all four Gospels, you better recognize that's important. That's something we need to take note of. All of Scripture is important. Don't, don't mishear me. All of Scripture is necessary. But this is underlined. So let's have a look. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through to 9. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others that Elijah had appeared and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear th such things about? And he tried to see him. Now for this morning, for the context and, and what we're looking at, I'm not going to look at the opening few verses about casting out demons and healing. We touched on that a couple of months ago and we will touch on that again in the future, no doubt. I'm also not going to look at the final portion of uh, verses 7 to 9 because we covered that when we looked at Luke chapter 3 and Luke 7. And if you're going, well, I missed that, that's online and you can watch the videos there. So why does Jesus send out the twelve? Why? It's such a great question. Why? Of course, we, we hate the question when our children keep asking, why, 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 why is the sky blue? Why does a dog have a tail? Why is it we can go out on the 31st of October and get candy from literal strangers that we do not know, but you won't let me on any other day of the year accept candy from strangers? Why, why, why? Author Simon Sinek uh, wrote the book, Start With Why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do something? It's an important question. Why? Why does White Rock Baptist Church exist? Why are we right here and right now? Jesus answers the why. He answers it in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and following. And Jesus is moving from town to town, from village to village. 
He's proclaiming the gospel. He's revealing the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is present. He's healing people. He's touching. He's changing lives. And as he's journeying with the disciples, we we read of how Jesus is moved because he sees the crowds. And the scriptures say he sees the crowds and they look like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed. They're helpless. And Jesus is moved with compassion. Jesus is moved to his very gut to make a difference, to reach, to touch. And in that context, Jesus looks out and he calls his disciples and he says, Look, look, the world is ready. The fields are white. The fields are ready to be harvested. They just need workers. They need people to go into the fields to go and collect the harvest. And so Jesus tells the disciples, pray that God would send. Look, now pray. Pray that God would send people to fulfill the mission. And then Jesus blows their minds in Matthew chapter 10, where he says, now go. He says it in Luke chapter 9, now go. He says it in Matthew and in Mark. Go. Go and answer that prayer. So look and see, pray that God would send now, go. Why do we go? Because Jesus sends us. We know it is the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go. We cannot avoid the call to go. But why? Why go? Because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Why do we go and tell the world? Because scores of people do not know that Jesus lives. This is why we run Alpha programs. This is why we have a children's ministry. This is why we seek to serve our community. It's to tell them that Jesus lives. And so when I ask a question like, are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Yes, it should force us to think through, am I here for what I can get out? Or am I here to go? In response to the call of Jesus. Why do we go? Because Jesus tells us to go. How do we go? If we can answer the why, well, how? How do we go? Jesus answers this in Luke chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. Jesus says, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. And whatever house you enter into, stay there until you leave that town. And it kind of seems a little bit odd. Jesus, you're sending us out and you're telling us to take nothing. What if we get hungry? What if we get thirsty? What if we we need to repair some of the the clothing that we've got? Or, or, Or what if my shirt just gets sweaty and I need to put a clean shirt on? Jesus says, take nothing extra. Don't be weighed down by unnecessary items. And isn't that the challenge for all of us? We all like a few extra possessions, so we try and accumulate. And I think it takes a lot for us to admit that materialism is a difficult God to break free of. And so what Jesus is saying is, don't focus on provisions. Don't focus on the things you think you need and the things you want. Focus on my mission. I will take care of you. And if you haven't yet highlighted or underlined or made notes in your Bible in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 to 33, and I won't read the whole passage, 
But in Matthew 6, verse 25 to 33, where Jesus tells us to worry about clothing, don't worry about food, don't worry about the things you think you need and want. Seek first the kingdom of God. Respond. I will provide for you. You know, last night, uh, my family and I, we went to the For King and Country concert. Uh, for those who don't know, King and, For King and Country are a, a Christian band. Some of our young adults were there, so it made me feel good because like, I'm a young adult and I'm at this, this music concert. I think I lost about 10 years worth of my hearing, though. Uh, but while we're at this concert... And the guys are singing and playing and there's energy and just it's an amazing time. They shared some testimonies. And one of the brothers of the, the two front men gets up and he starts telling about their life journey. And how they were Australian. They grew up in Australia. Uh, and their father lost everything. And in the process of losing everything, the family moved to the United States. And, and there was kind of a reason for that. Uh, but even when they got to the United States, the little that they had, they lost And they found themselves in a new country, in a new place with literally nothing. And they didn't know what to do. And and so as a family, they thought, well, all we can do is pray. And they just prayed and prayed. Did they get everything they wanted? Not even remotely. But God provided. People brought bags of food. People covered their rent. People gave them car. People provided. People paid for medical bills. And I don't share about that for king and country's sake. And for us as a family, as we were driving home afterwards, Cindy sort of reminded the kids that, you know, as that guy was talking, can you think of how God has provided for us? I mean, he called us literally to the other side of the world. We arrived to a a fully stocked home thanks to your generosity. God has provided for us over and over and over again. Does that make it easy? No. No. There's still days we get frustrated. There's still days that we, we grapple and, and our flesh sort of says, oh, if only. And then God blows us away by providing for what we need. And God says, when you go, Jesus says, when you go, don't get hung up on those things. Don't be trapped by those things. Go and serve my kingdom. Go in, in practical ways to tell the world. Share a meal. Bring God into the conversation. Write an encouraging letter. Go into the world. Think simple and then simply do it. But if we go, where do we go? Because I know some of you just had a mini internal heart attack when I told you that God called us to the other side of the world. And you're going, no, please, Lord, don't send me to Africa. (laughs) Well, South Africa is a good country. I mean, we are the current Rugby World Cup champions. (laughs) Nobody can take that away. Now, God doesn't call every single person to the other side of the world. In fact, in my experience, God calls very few people to go out of their culture and out of their homes and out of their cities. God calls very few people. And you know what? If you are one of those people, you will know and you will go. But for the overwhelming majority, where do I go when God sends me? I go into my community, I go into my family. I go into the place I work, to the place I live, to the place if I'm at school, to wherever I find myself. I go right there. Paul writes in Acts chapter 17, or sorry, he's speaking in Acts 17, and he says, For from one man he has made, that is God has made, every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. 
My friends, where you are is where God wants you to be. Because he wants you to be his disciple right there. I know of a church that had, instead of an exit sign above the sanctuary, the sign simply reads, you are now entering the mission field. Do you see your community, your home, your work, your school, wherever you are as the mission field? Because that is where God sends. Why go? How go? Where go? And I suppose the last one is, well, who goes? Quite simply, you. You go. Not you to the person next to you. Notice I'm not doing that. You go. In Matthew 28, verse 18 and onwards, Jesus came to his disciples. He came to those who would call themselves followers, and we're included in this list. So Jesus comes to us, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are called to go. And declare what we've just remembered. That Jesus Christ came to earth. The son of God. Very God in nature. Gave his life as an atonement for us. That our sins would be forgiven. That we would be set free. We would be redeemed. And we would be reconciled to God. But not only that. Not only that he died. But that he rose back to life. Remember, the early church were martyred because they testified Jesus is alive. We need to go into the world and remind people Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, you and I will live forever in him for those who have received him. So let me close. Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? It is my prayer that together we would contribute to the mission of White Rock Baptist Church so that a world around us would indeed be impacted. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we hear your words from Luke chapter 9 echoed in the Gospels, go. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit this morning would open our eyes let us see a harvest field around us that is ready. God, that is, is ready for the gospel and ready for the message of your kingdom. And Jesus, as our eyes are opened, oh, would you help us? Help us to respond to that call to go. Wherever that might be, whatever that might look like, Holy Spirit, you lead us. Help us to seek your kingdom, to focus on you, to hand over that flesh desire for more or for stuff or for materialism, but rather to serve. And as we do that together, God, I pray that your church, not simply White Rock Baptist Church, but your church in this community, and the many around us who serve, oh God, would you build your church in this community?
that indeed the world would be impacted. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.